Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is the midweek special. This is where we talk about the stuff that didn't make it into last week's show and won't make it into the exciting show we have this weekend. Hello, Caroline. Hello. You are sounding good. Your voice is coming back. It is coming back. I have uh, my parting gift from Florida was COVID-19. So I uh, <laughs> it's not fun, down this last week, not down and out, but just uh it uh, definitely took the skip out of my step. Let's put it that way. But you're making it back. No, you sound good. Your voice sounds good. You got your, you got your gargle back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I get, the, get a little low energy sometimes. <laughs> you'll hear me this weekend. I'll sound on the show this weekend. I'll, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear a little less of my voice this weekend because we recorded it earlier in the week, but uh, welcome back. I, it's nice being home. I mean, but funny thing is, is down in Florida, it was like the last two days, it was 85 and sunny. It was beautiful. And now it's like 32 degrees outside here in Portland. So it's cold. It's cold. In New York, we're warm. We're 61. I think we're going to be 65 tomorrow. So we've got, I mean, that's like spring in February. Weird, right? We were that way last week while we were gone. It was like, there was a day that was like 65, sunny. I mean, everything's green outside. And now we're going to be like, I think, low of 19. It's going to be super cold. Oh, no. So we got a, that last little death grip of winter coming in to, to give us some cold air. It'll be dry, super dry, no, no precipitation. So probably no snow, but uh, we're going to get that. So what do you got for me? You know, I like recalls. I heard you have a recall. Oh, we got a big one. Viking, if you have a Viking Series 5 gas range. Now, this one's an interesting one. So this is a newer one. So it's not all the Viking ranges, but this is uh, built between August 10th, 2021 and December 1st, 2021. Uh, could be stainless steel, white, or one of the other colors. Units with the model numbers, and they've got all the stuff on the Consumer Product Safety Commission, so you can find that. But here's what happened. They have a connection that could leak, thus causing a gas leak. Oh, And that's a problem. Yeah. That falls into my genre. Yep. So uh, consumers should immediately stop using the bake broil griddle functions to avoid the risk of a gas leak and contact Viking Range for 
to arrange a free repair by an authorized service provider. And what do I have in but, my uh, hand, which I carry in my purse? Is that a gas detector? It's not a gas detector, but it's a carbon monoxide meter. So oh, just to remind yeah. people, also check your carbon monoxide. It's a good time of year. And uh, yeah, this I carry this. This is my Klein Tools ET110. This goes with me everywhere. Nice. I know. That's hot, nice. right? Yeah, I carry good. this in my purse. Oh, yeah. You're beeping <laughs> off. They're like, what's going on over there? But yeah, I mean, this here is going to leak natural gas or gas, propane. Yes. So that's what you have to be careful with. So that's going to gonna be a problem. So you don't want to have that happen. And uh, no need for uh, extra burners on the range that are happening inside if that was to catch fire. Mm-mm. So that's another big one. You know, we had the chainsaw earlier. And uh, that's one there that it's like, okay, we got to be careful with that one. And, oh, there's another one, too. I'll give you another recall. Not so much people using it right now, but Husqvarna has this cute little all-wheel drive robotic lawnmower. (laughs) Uh, The lithium-ion battery in the lawnmower can overheat, posing a risk of fire. So there's about 1,400 of those as well. So they're these cool little all-wheel drive robotic lawnmowers. And you don't need to have the, the, the burning hunk of... Husqvarna lawnmower, so make sure you have oh, that my one God. taken care of mm. as well. That Jeez. can be problematic. Lots of recalls. So, what are you working on in your house, Caroline? You got any cool projects you're tackling? Doors are going in. That's March. So, sliders, um, doing a French nice. door out the back. Yeah, so windows and doors and sliders. French door, does it speak French? Ah, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want wee oui, wee oui on my door. <laughs> and then what's this about you maybe wanting to get a dog Mm, i was on rescue site so lynn you know lynn my one of my clients lynn and uh, her daughter just in her spare time rescues um, all these animals and she's really and she stays up on it and she knows what dogs need to be rescued and how their temperaments are and she just does it as a hobby she's kind of amazing she's a young girl you know in her 20s so um, she's, uh, I just got on there and started looking at these dogs. Oh, my God. The little German shepherd with the I tongue out. I see a pet in your future. Just hits you right here. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Vinny doesn't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this is how it happened to my house, too. I mean, we've had dogs forever anyway, but... Uh, uh, every time Julie gets on one of the rescue sites or one of the adoption sites, I'm like, oh, no, there's going to be another one coming on. We have three dogs right now, so we're good. We're that's good. good. We're not going to we're not adding to it. And we've got one that's kind of little tiny thing that was a rescue before even my time with Julie. And he's like 14, 15 years old. He's he's starting to age out, if you know what I mean. But uh, he's still getting around. He's but, still kicking. Uh, I, I think he's still kicking. But uh, he's going to be one of those that uh, that I'm not sure when that day comes and he meet, goes up to the pearly gates of the dog area in the sky, he's going to be replaced. I think we'll stick with two. Mm. Well, the reason I got on there was my girlfriend lost her dog. She had, had They had had her for, you know, 12 to 13 years. So she was like, I definitely want to get a new one. The house is so empty without her. And, you know, the kids loved her. And so that's why I ended up on there which is a mistake. <laughs> no. As you're trying to justify this, I hear this. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't have a dog. I work too much. They're not, wouldn't, no one would be well, home. Well, there's new, 
Yeah, there's new pet doors out there. I think we were talking about it here a few weeks ago, you and I. There's a couple smart pet companies out there where you can put the collar on the dog and then it unlocks the, the dog door when they get close. Nice. And uh, that way the dog can let itself out, but you don't have to worry about any of the skunks or animals or anything else coming in through that pet door. So it's uh, if it's close, it unlocks it. Oh my God. Do you have a name on that? That's, that's good. What brand is that? Yeah. I'll put it up here in the show notes. I'll let me find it. It's uh, they that's were at amazing. the show. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So uh, uh, let me find it here real quick as we're talking because it's around really the house. Cool. We've got a lot of dog lovers, animal lovers. I have a yeah. pet deer. I actually do have a pet deer. That's true. That's true. She was out at the window today and she's getting really, really ornery. When it comes to not getting her food on time, which is a little strange, but she starts doing this thing with her tail and her tongue and she gets kind of aggressive about it that she wants her oh, food. Oh, really? <laughs> she does. That's cool. You got to be mm. careful of that, but you know. No, she's not mean. You're getting just gets aggressive like- is going to get, yeah. <laughs> she just wags her tail at you and gives you the tongue. <laughs> there you go. See, you know, my, my pet, do- I've got a dog door that goes outside for the dogs. You know, and uh, that's also my makeup air at the house. But <laughs> the cool thing is, is <laughs> you so got funny. that. <laughs> Turn on the vent fan, and I can hear it go. The magnet <laughs> go click, click. <laughs> oh my god! It's hilarious. So anyway, what what happens is is with these new smart pet doors, and there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of different brands, but there's ones for like cats that you can have if you want your cat to go outside. That once the cat gets close, it it uh, will unlock the feature on it. Uh, you know, so no there's a lot pee. of different ones like that. Okay. What's that? They don't. I thought cats are supposed to go in like a litter box. They go outside now. They're trained. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's uh, I'm not a cat person. Um, I've never owned my own cat for obvious reasons. Uh, so I don't know. But they've got these other ones, too, that you can actually microchip your pet. And when they get close, that microchip will they'll read the microchip hmm. and open up the door as well. Or That's very it. cool. So so there's a lot of cool little devices like that. And, and it's good if you're in the big city areas, it's good for all that stuff, you know, because I tell you what, um, pet doors that aren't functioning can be a place for rodents to enter. Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful with that. If you've got rats and mice, they can navigate that pet door pretty quickly if you're not careful. So you've got to I keep think those that under control. To our friends, because they have a pet door really? and they had, I mean, a beautiful home. Remember I was telling you, and then they got a rat problem. I think it came in through the door. Yeah, you got to be careful. And that's, I mean, it's just like a freeway right in. So it's one of those things you got to be a little careful with. A little careful with that one because it'll it'll get you good. So make sure with your pet doors that you've got uh, your pest and rodents taken care of. Because even with the magnetic flaps, like I do, I have dual flaps on mine. So it's got an air chamber in between. Even at that. You know, uh, a rat or a mouse could dig through that if you wanted to and uh, pop that door open. They're smart enough to figure that one out. And head for those biscuits you make on that range. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm craving some of those biscuits you make. I just started thinking about those, and I'm like, hmm. Eric's like a master baker of the biscuits. Oh, I get... 
I have, I like doing those. Julie is the master baker though. She's the one that's probably could compete in the British baking show. So she's <laughs> nice. the one that crushes that. So go Jules. It's uh, it's all good. It's all good. Well, should we run out to Zeke's guy since we've got some uh, rock and DIY music to DIY too. It's kind of one of our new segments we're going to do. Should we run out to Zeke? Yeah, this is music guys. So it's music you can work to build to make sawdust to. We are starting a new segment here that DIY you want to rock to Zeke Sky. Welcome to Around the House. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, Zeke. I'm great. How are you? Uh, just enjoying uh, the hopefully soon becoming very warm weather. I've uh, been happy to release an album and I'm happy to be with you guys here today. Thanks, man. Uh, loving your stuff. This new album is great. You have got, for anybody that loves the, the rock to hard rock genre and up, you hit every single little box as far as check with the different songs on this album. Thank you so much, man. It's good. It's good. And did you, were you in a big studio for this or was this uh, more homegrown? We uh, did this album with a producer called Kevin Antriasian, who is used to be the guitar player in a band called the Dillinger escape plan. Um, but it was all done in his studio and it was all mixed and mastered in his studio as well. That makes sense because it is super clean production. So I was like, man, if that's a home studio, that would be crazy. But yeah, I can't, I can't produce, I, I, I can't produce on that level. And uh, the people who can produce on that level are either, you know, professional producers or, you know, have moved on to something more interesting with their life. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. So how long, I know you've been in music a really long time. So how did you start in music? And then what, um, like, what's your favorite instrument to play? Because I know you play a lot of other things besides guitar. So I've seen you play piano and stuff like that. So give us a little insight into your life. So I guess my guitar started when I was about 10. Um, not that I was like playing seriously or anything. I remember seeing this video of Johnny Rotten. It was in the beginning of YouTube. So pl place yourself in, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004. That's right around when it's happening. And, uh, you know, I had no interest in actual actually playing at first. I just saw this man who I don't know if you've seen this song, God Save the Queen. But, you know, I'd been raised on all this jazz and classical music. And there was this Neanderthal looking guy kind of saying, God save the queen and screaming at everybody. And I didn't uh, I didn't really get it then, but I wasn't even so much interested in the music as I kind of understood, like, there's a rebellion happening and I need to be a part of it. And uh, so I picked up a guitar. My dad had one upstairs or something, and I didn't learn any chords at first. I literally just I would just stand there and yell at people about the queen and <laughs> Things that, like, honestly, today, they still make a little bit of sense. But, you know, I didn't learn my first chord for about a year. I had a guitar teacher when I was younger, but most of my tutelage has been on my own. Um, I started playing in bands after college, and then I started my own project about three years ago. Nice. Amazing. It's funny. And he's so awesome at it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. So did you have any uh, more classical training as far as in the music side of things, uh, growing up jazz classical stuff? Because I did the same thing. I, as a bass player, from fifth grade on, I was playing upright bass and that kind of stuff. I didn't know if you did any music stuff in school. 
No, I was really, when I was in high school, like my, the things that I focused on like academically and physically were very different. So I didn't really do any traditional music schooling. Um, I don't want to say I've never had music teachers because I've had like a couple of close friends who have shown me a lot. But as far as any of my guitar or piano technique, most, most of it's just been completely self-imbibed. That's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I'm happy about that. He is. You're <laughs> such a rock star to the truest sense, my friend. <laughs> So have you, uh, have you tried any DIY projects? Have you, uh, done any studio building or any, anything like that? It, it could have been, you put an Ikea table together wrong. You know, it doesn't really matter. I've done some, I mean, like <laughs> if those are the standards for construction, then I've done some, I've done, I've put some like good home spaces together for recording demos and stuff like that. And I do know the first thing maybe about making a home studio, but it's actually a pretty complicated matter to treat things acoustically and to get an aesthetic feeling in a space where you actually want to create. And it's a pretty significant thing. Um, I would say that as far as my DIY stuff has gone, uh, I record demos on my computer and I've done that since I was like 18. So it's been a while now. So I've always just tried to learn to be as economical, as economical in my space as I could. Nice. Yeah, we had a home studio that I had when I was I was playing in Seattle rock bands in the in the early two thousands. So I was up in that scene and and got lucky to be in the grunge scene while I was up there. But uh, for us at the time in the early two thousands, it was cool because you could find all those old two inch tape players, and so we recorded a whole album in the studio on two inch tape just to try it to say we did it. Now those things are worth big money because there's enough of them that were lost out there, but Today's digital age of recording has made it so much easier for artists to get stuff at least down on tape so you can help develop it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about just uh, small scale production. I do think that the producers today do have a very special skill set, too, though, in that learning how to use gear that's a little bit more complicated can have these really crazy repercussions. Like you can generally, I mean, you had good instincts where you, you could tell that it wasn't a bedroom production or anything like that. I think the ear has like kind of a instinctive grasp on this stuff, even if, uh, you know, some people wouldn't necessarily use the sentence you just said, which was, you didn't produce this in your basement, did you? They might just say, that sounds really fizzy, that guitar, it's out of control. Like, why is it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and we I got really lucky to to hang around with some really cool people, the, the Butch Vigs of the world and stuff like that, that were, you know, just icons of the age up there that really could take some recordings that maybe weren't perfect, but could actually have that skill to make something of it. Well, Butch, Vig, rare Butch, Vig, these days. Butch Vig has a plugin now. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a Butch Vig plugin for distorted vocals. <laughs> See, nice. there good. we go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so hilarious. It's so hilarious how technology has come so far. So are you going to be getting out on tour soon? What do you got going on, man? So we're looking into it. Uh, it's really just a question of the liabilities with COVID. Um, but also, my band has not reached a super wide audience. We've reached a small audience. Um, and that is down to, you know, my mostly efforts in music creation and just not all that much time out there. But we're looking into doing a tour probably sometime soon. 
Nice, nice. I love the new album. Let's talk about that for a minute, man. What uh, what got this going for you with the uh, Intergalactic Demon King? This thing's pretty cool. So Intergalactic Demon King was uh, just, you know, it was it started out as some demos that I had made in an apartment I was living in about a year and a half ago, right when COVID was kind of at like the center of its uh, vortex. And then um, it, it had all kind of centered around like this. Uh, I don't want to call it an imaginary character, but I guess that is sort of what it was. And all of the songs dealt with themes of kind of um, history, partially, but also like the future of where I thought things might be going. I like to write about stuff like that. So and it used to be before the record came out, it was actually going to be called Automaton Divina. And it was about kind of like the robot revolution that I see coming. Um, and coming. The, the whole thing was kind of written around divine robots and robots kind of running the world. Uh, but then uh, a lot of the stuff started taking more of a historical tone. And I wanted to see if I could kind of combine the two worlds. Um, you'll notice some of the songs have themes about kind of uh, one of the songs is literally kind of about the Odyssey. And I didn't really I had written the song and I decided that the sound of it flowed very well with the rest of the record. But lyrically, it didn't line up as much. So I would say that it's it's a broad and it's an open concept vaguely around the idea of uh, some sort of dominant king kind of thing. Cool. And then for those of you who don't know Zeke's guy, like so I'm familiar with him and Eric is semi familiar, too. I like to say that your music genre is sort of this fantasy kind of sci-fi, really like this intergalactic thing mixed together. And so he has music, which he's a phenomenal musician, which you're going to hear, but he sort of entrenched it into this really deep sort of mythical place. And so you kind of, when you listen to your music, what I like is that it's got this vibe of, it takes me to another place it, it, whether it be an imaginary place or a or a made up place, but very very cool that you do that. I just want to point unique. out I, one of the reasons you noticed that is because I set it up for a while on social media. I was like when I when the concept had come together, it was kind of like the very beginning of COVID and things were very much in flux, and I knew that I wasn't going to record a serious album for at least at least a year. So I sort of set it up with stories that I and illustrations that I thought were kind of relevant to the project. So I know that there's like a core Mm. of some amount of people who followed me since then, who it all came full circle when I announced the name of the record kind of thing. So, so musical influences, when I hear this album, I hear some almost German and Swedish type rock stuff in there as well. What are some of your musical influences that help kind of drive you as a musician? Um, I think the thing that really, really powered me to like get on guitar and piano in a more serious way was hearing like bands like Yes and Pink Floyd. Um, yes has like a very distinctive, I, I think one of the reasons you think that is because through the Yes is, is this very distinctive like uh, Western European kind of flair to it. Um, I'm definitely inspired by a lot of the Swedish bands, a lot of the power metal bands, um, yeah. a lot of the Viking metal type bands. Um, yeah, like all of those <laughs> types of bands I've always really liked. I like even the newer versions of power metal, like Dragon Force. Um, I was yep. into Iron Maiden a lot as a kid. I also have a lot Same. of jazz and kind of like piano music that I listen to and really like a lot. And I guess 
you know, it's very hard for me to tell what is actually flowing into the music sometimes. Like sometimes I feel like I'm writing a riff totally from nowhere and then I come back and I revisit it and I sort of see, oh, that's where I got that idea from. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, I, I would, I would say there's kind of a narrow band of music that I appreciate and I've, I've noticed that it's different with other people and not that I dislike lots of genres of music. It's just that the music I consume on a day-to-day basis tends to be kind of like Western European kind of European, like rock metal, um, jazz and classical music. So, um, Zeke, so being a new artist, right. And being of the younger genre too, how does social media help you? So give us an idea. I mean, I see so much social media out of you and I, and it's huge, right? We know with our show here, if you're not on social media and you're not doing it, you're kind of lost. So how does it help you? And I see you've got quite a few followers. I mean, it's, you're not, even though you're not out touring right now, you've got a pretty good following. So how are you making that happen? I'm going to just go ahead and push back on that a little bit because now I have the perspective of having that followership. And uh, I think that it's probably not as important as you're thinking it is. I, I wouldn't say it's unimportant. I, I would say mm. there's an important element to it. But I would say that social media is a very low resolution audience. And you have to be really careful when you're thinking about exactly what the consequences are of having the following is. Um, I started before I put my music out, which was, I started putting music out really not that long ago, like two or three years ago. I had like a large dedicated Facebook following for my noodley guitar videos and for kind of like jackassy kind of stuff that I would do on my newsfeed all the time. <laughs> so that was, that was one thing that happened in like 2019 where like that page really did explode for a while. And that was great for me because it really got my name out to people who I wanted my name out to be. It got me on some great shows and it eventually allowed me to draw people into the business page. Um, but I think people are deluding themselves a little bit when they think that, uh, you know, you're just going to get some follower count and you're just going to be all set. You have to like really be able to, these have to be people who are really, truly interested in your stuff and you can convert and I would say that content really comes first. Like, I wish I had known that in 2019 or 2018, because what I was really doing were, were these guitar videos that they were going over well, and I was happy about it. But I think it's a very different thing to have a musical product that is like finished. And it wasn't that I hadn't written any music. It was that I hadn't really taken the time to develop it and record it and put it out. So I think that that followership that I got during that time you know, I'm not so thrilled on it sometimes because I don't think that that really told my story completely well. Makes nice. sense. Yeah. Makes sense. You want to you play mm. something for us? Sure. Yeah, we could do that. I got something ready to go. So I will play, uh, I will play Fire Witch Forever. I'll play along with the track right here. I love Fire Witch. All right. You ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Yes.
How was that? You rock, my Thanks, friend. Thanks, Caroline. It was super You're cool. so amazing. Yeah, I was. I wrote that song when I was like actually like 19, and then it finally got recorded one t- one time in my basement like three years ago, and then it finally came out in a so proper crazy. studio. Nice. Well done. Well, hey, let's play something off the album here. What song would you like to play for us off the album today? Hmm. Uh, I think you should play Endlessly Forever. There we go. Let's jump out to Endlessly Forever and take a taste of this. You are a dying light, but shining bright will save you.
All right, Zeke. I love this album. I love what you got going on. We need to get this out to our uh, listeners. Thank Where you, is Zeke. the best place for people to find you out in the world of social media or website? Um, just search Zeke Sky anywhere. Z-E-K-E-S-K-Y. Um, you'll find the music on Spotify, uh, YouTube, basically everywhere. It used to be the Zeke Sky band, but now it's just Zeke Sky. We're going to stick with that. And uh, yeah, that's the best way to find me anywhere. All right, Zeke, good luck out there. Thanks for coming on the show today. No problem. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House. Eric G from around the house. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.